everybody welcome to our saturday edition of the orange and brown talk podcast i am dan lobby joined today as always by mary Kay cabot mary Kay, how are you i'm doing great today dan how you doing doing well and also scott patsko scott how are you doing good doing good Okay, so we are getting here to the end of training camp. We're going to get to watch the Browns practice, depending on your listening to this tomorrow or today, uh, at First Energy Stadium. Uh, but we did have a practice today uh, in Berea. But I wanted to get into kind of what was talked about before that practice. We heard from two really key people, and that is Chad O'Shea, the wide receivers coach, and Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach. So we're going to go over a little bit of what they had to say. And we're going to start with receiver, because the most intriguing uh, aspect of the receiving core is probably who's going to be the third receiver. And you all know how I feel about Kareem Hunt. We're going to take him out of the mix though for, for this discussion. Uh, Cause I feel like we've talked about that a lot more than anything. This is about which receivers are going to make the roster, I guess, kind of that battle there. So uh, Mary Kay, when, when you heard Chad O'Shea talk today, what, what kind of stood out to you about what he had to say about that third receiver? Well, he was very adamant that it's still an open competition. I mean, we have heard in, the, in recent days uh, some chatter about Rashard Higgins. Alex Van Pelt kind of talked up Rashard Higgins the other day. And Rashard has done a nice job uh, with Kaderil Hodge out uh, five days for a personal reason and Damian Ratley missing all of practice until two days ago. Uh, it's given rise to a person like Rashard Higgins being able to go out there and kind of reestablish himself you know, longtime old Baker favorite. Uh, and he's caught some touchdown passes and he's looked pretty good. Uh, but Chad O'Shea pumped the brakes on that narrative today. I mean, he really did. He, he said it is still an open competition. Nothing is set in stone. We've got a lot of guys there vying for that job. And it's, you know, he's like, bring it on. And, and that was basically how it went. You know, it's, it's interesting. Higgins, uh, I think it was earlier this week, caught a touchdown pass, like very into practice and kind of went through his uh, his end zone celebration spiel. Uh, he certainly seemed like a guy confident that uh, he has a roster spot after that. Um, but, you know, I think we came into this into this training camp thinking Higgins was the guy just based on his familiarity with with Baker and and really overall experience. And I think at this point in camp, it, I would say he's probably still that guy. And I know that, you know, today we heard uh, some praise for Kaderil Hodge, but, but I would think Higgins is probably that guy, just knowing what he can do. He can play outside. He's played uh, a decent amount in the slot. Uh, you know, he can back up multiple spots. So I think, you know, at this point, I think he's kind of the guy to beat. Although Kaderil Hodge is really the guy to keep in mind. Scott, you said it. We heard some, some high praise from him from O'Shea, but it was also interesting the other day, Kevin Stefanski almost kind of lit up when Kadero Hodge was brought up and, and spent a lot of time talking about him. Now there's the special teams element of it with Hodge, but I guess what stood out to me today is Hodge is back. He came back Friday, was dealing with a personal issue. So, so he's missed a little bit of time, but he is back. And today he was out there really kind of picking up where he left off. Uh, he, he wasn't down the depth chart at all. Nobody was really in front of him. But when it wasn't Odell and Jarvis out there, it, it was Kaderil Hodge with the ones, and, and he was doing some work in the slot. And, and I guess that kind of tells me that, you know, maybe they kind of know what they have in Hodge, and they, you know, when they say they really like him, it seems like they really like him. Yeah, you know what? I think all you had to do was listen to Chad O'Shea sing the high praises of Kaderil Hodge today 
uh, to believe that they really, really like this guy. I, I, I bought it. I mean, I, I don't think that they were feeding us a line or anything like that. I mean, it's very rare that I hear a coach uh, sing the praises of a player quite like Chad O'Shea did today with Kaderil Hodge, talking about how smart he is, how selfless he is, how he can play multiple roles, how grateful he is to have him in his wide receiver room. He's making the team. I mean, there is no question about it after today. Uh, take it to the bank. Kaderil Hodge is on this football team. And I don't know what was going on with him. Uh, you know, and, and I haven't been able to quite figure that out yet. Uh, but now that he's back, uh, I, I think it's kind of like, watch out, Kaderil's back. That's high praise for a guy who's got six career catches. He had four <laughs> catches last year. Uh, you know, he... He was on the field, I think, uh, enough to where we noticed him, especially over the second half of the season. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't getting a ton of targets. Um, but clearly he does a lot of other things well. You know, he, he pass blocks or run blocks well enough to, to earn some praise. And, and, again, he was one of the guys who had the most uh, – I think he was like second or third in snaps on special teams. I think Tavier Thomas led the team. But uh, – so – we heard last year Mike Prefer kind of raving about him on special teams. So we know that there's that as aspect to him. It just, it's still kind of surprising that he has kind of moved up into that, into that role where he's, he's kind of seeping over into first team reps at this point. If you looked uh, based on what he did last year, you wouldn't have thought that that would be the case this year. Yeah. I feel like this position too is still a little bit fluid. You know, they claim Damian Willis off of uh, off of waivers from the Bengals. And he's a guy, if I, you know, his roster exemption is over. DJ Montgomery, who has gotten probably more run on this podcast than he should have gotten. But when we're going through <laughs> what we went through this offseason, sometimes you have to spend some time talking about DJ Montgomery. Uh, he, he is gone uh, officially. So it, it just feels like maybe, you know, they're going to keep taking shots at people. Now, does that mean that, that this guy's going to come in and immediately, you know, take somebody's position? No, but even though the season is getting closer, you know, they're still going to put some feelers out there and kind of see what they can add and, and see who they can find. Because, you know, look, as good as Kaderil Hodge has been in camp when, we, when he's been out there, as much as they've praised him, you know, we are still talking about Kaderil Hodge. So he's a guy who's still, you know, like you said, doesn't have a ton of catches, doesn't have a huge resume. He, he's got to start to build that. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going to roll guys through here. And if he struggles, they'll, they'll try somebody else there. Well, the other thing to consider is sometimes a coach will uh, send a message to a position group or try to uh, stoke the fires a little bit and get, get something going and, and put the message out there to these guys that, uh, that he needs them to step up. And so there may have been a little bit of that psychology going on today uh, with what we were hearing from Chad O'Shea. I think he was basically trying to, uh, you know, light a little bit of a fire under those guys and really see what he can get out of them over these next how many ever days before the season starts uh, or before they have to make those cuts on September 5th. They have big decisions to make. Uh, but let's not forget Donovan Peoples-Jones. He caught that 65-yard touchdown pass the other day. That was a really nice play, uh, both from Case. It was a nice throw by Case Keenum. Nice catch by uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. And then Taewon Taylor gets a lot of reps. I mean, he, he's in there a lot. So, uh, you know, I do agree with Chad O'Shea that there, uh, you know, there is good competition there. Damian Rantley, when he's healthy and when, he is, when he's out there, uh, you know, there's, there's something to him as well. Now, he does, has struggled both 
last year and this year with missing almost all of, of the camp. And that hurts him. That sets him way back. Uh, but, but when he's, when he's out there, you know, he's not too far behind the other guys. So I, I agree. It's a pretty good competition. You know, I was surprised we didn't see more of Taewon Taylor last year. Um, he had, I think it's more than 30 catches two years ago with the Titans. Clearly he had speed. Uh, he just seemed like somebody that maybe would have fit into, into the rotation a little more than, than he did. Uh, you know, Kadero Hodge, I think, really got more significant playing time than Taylor did on offense. Um, but as far as guys like Damien Willis and even some of the other people they picked up, uh, like on the offensive line, I think at this point in, in camp, you're also thinking about the practice squad. Yeah. And, you know, you, you picked up someone this week who maybe he doesn't make the roster, but you want him here and you want to build that relationship and you want to let it be known that, hey, if we waive you, we would like you back because you do have that expanded uh, practice squad this year. So that could play into some of these some of these positions. Um, but Taylor just – Taylor has been in that second team, getting some first team reps too, and I think he's very versatile. And, again, that speed is something that – that I'm sure the coaches uh, would love to get on the field. Um, but then there's someone else who has a lot of speed in, uh, in this wide receiver group that we haven't talked about yet either. That's Jojo Natson. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a guy that I think we've talked about a lot as a kick returner, but at least in parts of this camp, he's, he's been getting some reps high up the depth chart. Yeah. And I think that's again, in part because uh, as Kevin Stefanski told us at the beginning of camp that they were going to get, not only their starters ready, but they were going to, going to get their backups ready. I still think that, that Jojo Nassen uh, will be really earmarked for those uh, return spots. I really don't see him overtaking, you know, Richard or, or Kaderil Hodge or, or Damian Ratley uh, for the number three receiver position at this point, but they're getting him ready. And I, and I think that's important. Uh, but I think that they actually do have some, some guys that are, are making some noise there at the position. And it's important because the truth of the matter is, I mean, we think that Jarvis is going to be ready for the opener. We're pretty sure that it's headed that way. Um, but he's still on a pitch count. And so is Odell on a pitch count in team. So everybody has to be ready to step in. Well, Dan, I don't know if you planned on bringing this up or not, but do we, is there a consensus here among us on how many receivers they'll keep? Um, <laughs> Now, the Vikings kept five going into week one last year. The Browns kept six, uh, but they did have more receivers on the field on a regular basis. If you keep five receivers for the Browns this year, that's when the cuts get tough. That's when you're looking at, okay, do we have two guys here on this receiving group that are really more geared towards special teams? Or, you know, or do we just have one? And uh, I'm starting to think as I look at the people – that have gotten first team reps and that we've talked about here, I'm thinking maybe they go with six wide receivers, including the reason you just brought up Mary Kay, that maybe Jarvis isn't 100% going into week one. Yeah, I'm thinking six, including Natson uh, to help out on special teams. And I think you can justify because Kadero Hodge plays on special teams. I think you can almost give a couple of those guys to prefer. So I think it's going to be at least six of those guys. I, yeah, I think you can give, for a couple extra guys just because again I say this all the time but you can give him some extra guys because you've got Kareem Hunt so if you have a, a receiver on your roster who maybe isn't a, a guy you're going to put out there a ton as a receiver you have a running back that you need to get on the field and he can yeah. get on the field in so many different ways and also the emergence of Harrison Bryant so now you you feel like you have three tight ends that, that you can trust as well 
and depending how many tight ends they want to keep, I think it make it gives you a little more flexibility if you want to keep a receiver who's like just a return guy or just a special teams guy. I think maybe it gives Mike Prefer the opportunity to to bang the table for somebody uh, that that maybe he wouldn't otherwise have have the opportunity uh, to do that with. Uh, okay, the the one other thing too with this roster construction that I think is really interesting and and why I, I think this is going to be an ongoing discussion is we, we see this waiver claim of Willis, uh, the Curtis Weaver waiver claim. Now, obviously, that's a defensive guy, but they claimed him to put him on IR. This team's going to be active on the waiver wire, and we're seeing them be aggressive very, very early right now. When guys get waived, they're going to take chances on guys. So it tells me that when we get to Sunday after cutdown day, th this team's going to be active. It was something Sashi Brown was very active in. Uh, Andrew Barry, of course comes from uh, at least partially from from that school of thinking and roster building they're going to claim some guys and they're going to take chances on guys so there's probably some names out there that we don't even know exist yet uh, all right we'll take a break here and then uh, when we come back we'll talk a little offensive line specifically Jedrick Wills time for me to tell you all about Football Insider our tech subscription service where me Mary Kay Cabot Scott Patsko Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news analysis what we're thinking and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko. Let's talk O-line because the other guy we heard about, heard from today was Bill Callahan, the offensive line coach, and also Mary Kay U.S., Kevin Stefanski specifically, you know, are you rolling with Jedrick Wills week one, regardless? So ca catch us up, I guess, a little bit uh, on what we learned today about Jedrick Wills in the O-line. Yeah, well, I think we've all watched Jedrick Wills coming up the learning curve. We've all seen him get beat a few times here and there, uh, different things, you know, whether it be one-on-one. -on -one, uh, we are looking out there and seeing that they're not putting Miles Garrett over him yet, uh, even though they, they say that that's a defensive decision. I think the offense has a little something to say about it as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we've all kind of seen him growing, progressing, learning. And I think all three of us probably have wondered at times, is he ready to go out there and start at left tackle? And, uh, and these guys, so I, I thought, you know what, what the heck, I'm going to ask uh, Kevin Stefanski based on everything that you're seeing, 
Uh, you know, there's whatever, less than two weeks to go. Is he definitely 100% your starting left tackle? He said yes. I said, will you waver on that? He said no. So it, Jedrick Wills, it is at left tackle, and they have no choice right now but to get him ready in a hurry. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's like it, the biggest thing I think we really missed out on here with, with no preseason games is, is getting a good gauge of where he's at because, you know, when they are practicing, obviously you can't tackle the quarterback. We're trying to figure out, okay, they got that defensive and got around the edge there. Would they have gotten Baker? Would he have stepped up? What would have happened in that scenario? Uh, obviously, of the preseason game, we'd know for sure what would happen in that scenario. So, um, yeah, it's clear that Jedrick Wills is kind of learning on the go. And, you know, they at least they're committed. Um, we'll see how that is after week one, you know. <laughs> if uh, if Baker is running around similar to how he was last year and, and Jedrick Wills seems overmatched, maybe, uh, maybe Kevin Stefanski is thinking differently. But... Uh, you really don't have a choice at this point. You kind of have to go with, with what you have and, and see where you are in week one, because again, you, all you have is practice and, and no tackling of the quarterbacks at this point. And that's not as clear of a gauge as I'm sure everybody would like to have. Can I take us off the rails here for a second? Because uh, I, I wish, I wish I would have thought of this when, when we had Joe Woods, uh, I think it was last week. Is there a chance that Miles Garrett is going to play more on that side this year? We don't spend a ton, ton of time on this. We can get back to the O-line. Is there a chance that maybe what Kevin Stefanski said today was true? Mary Kay, it seems like you didn't necessarily buy into that, but is, I mean, could we see Miles Garrett on that side as opposed to the, the usual side lined up over the left tackle? You know what? I, I think that they will put Miles Garrett over whoever they think uh, that he can best beat on that given Sunday. Uh, so, yes, I, I don't think he's going to be locked into one side. And I think we've been hearing that more and more from, from Andrew Barry. He always says, look, those guys are interchangeable. The right tackle and the left tackle have to be interchangeable because if, you're, uh, you know, if your right tackle can't handle a guy, he's going to see him. And if you're left tackle and vice versa. So I do think that Miles Garrett will uh, flip-flop, change sides, and that they'll, they'll mix those guys up. I mean, I, I've seen – uh, defensive tackles out on the outside. I, you know, we shouldn't be getting super specific, but um, but I think that yes, I think you're onto something there, Dan. That um, that there's going to be some of that happening. So I was trying to bring up the stat because I know I I read it from last year, but I'm I'm pretty confident that uh, Pro Football Focus had both Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett having much better success from the, from, uh, from the left side. I'm oh, sorry, right. from the right side than the left side. And obviously we remember last year they did flip flop a lot and, and Olivier Vernon did get a lot of uh, uh, snaps on the other side, but they both clearly had, they were more effective coming around the right. So, um, you know, that could be part of it too, is, 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 is letting Olivier Vernon, putting him in position to be successful too, because you know, Miles Garrett can, can succeed anywhere. Um, Miles Garrett had more uh, success from both sides. You know, wherever you put him, he's going get, to uh, get his pressure. So uh, thinking about Olivier Vernon and making sure that you're getting the most out of him can maybe play into that as well. I'm just trying to throw out as much as I can. It's, it's kind of like the idea of collecting draft capital. You know, you're playing the percentages. So if I throw enough just wild predictions out there, it means that I have more that I can come back to and say, hey, I got that one right, even though I missed these other, like, ten. Uh, okay, but back to the offensive line. The other thing, of course, with Jedrick Wills, 
is there's potential, Mary Kay, that we could have two rookies starting week one. And I don't know, I kind of got the sense today that that felt like more of a reality than maybe I thought going into this. We, we haven't really gotten an update on J.C. Treader's timetable. Uh, no one said anything specific, but I just kind of got the feel today that, you know, right now they're almost planning on having that situation where it could be Jedrick Wills at left tackle and then maybe Nick Harris at center. Well, I think they have to plan for that yeah. because uh, he had the surgery, the scope, on August 13th. The game is September 13th. It's usually about a four to six week injury, depending on how it goes. Then they have to get back in. They've got to test it. They have to see uh, how the knee is responding. Uh, does he have strength in it? Uh, you know, range of motion and all those kinds of things. Uh, because, you know, also, as we know, I mean, this is a, you know, this is a wide zone scheme and they're, these guys just really aren't, you know, stationary the whole entire time. These guys are, are moving and, and they have to be agile and be able to do that. So, um, I think the truth of the matter is no one really knows for sure. The aim is for JC to be back. And we know JC, we know, we know he'll do everything he can to be back on September 13th, but those are two back to get back games in a very short span of time. And so they have to factor that in too. You don't want to bring him back on Sunday and then his knee swells up and he can't play on Thursday night either. So these are, these are things that you have to consider when you're looking at the time frame of those two games. Yeah, I've come away from, from interviews with the coaches with a feeling, maybe a, a calmer sense of, about Nick Harris and, and maybe Jedrick Wills, you know. Uh, there's a lot of uh, this vibe that, yeah, Nick Harris is getting it and he can kind of, he can handle it, you know. Uh, I get that from Stefanski. I think I got that a little bit from Callahan. And even though they've talked a lot about the learning curve for rookies, it just seems like uh, – Nick Harris maybe is 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 ahead of, of where maybe Jedrick Wills is. Does that make sense along the offensive line? Yeah. But I think working in both their favors, and we, we're, we're talking about pass blocking, I think, when we're talking about them getting up to speed and what we see in practice. You know, if somebody's coming around the edge, it's that, that's an easy thing to see and understand. But they're going to be doing a ton of run blocking too. And we know that Nick Harris excels in this scheme uh, from, from his days in college. And uh, Jedrick Wills, from everything we've heard, has the body type and the, the physical abilities to excel in this scheme. So that's the bigger thing, I think, is that they're able to move along with the rest of the line. They're able to, to run block well because that's going to be the bread and butter of this offense. And even if they are having trouble in the passing game, I feel confident that Kevin Stefanski isn't going to put Baker Mayfield in a situation where his receivers are trying to get 25 yards downfield on all their routes because we saw that a lot last year with receivers running deep and, and Baker not having near enough time to, uh, to get the ball out. So uh, I think Kevin Stefanski clearly understands what his offensive line is up against, and he's going to put them in the best situation to make sure Baker doesn't, you know, get killed back there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and part of it too, the progress of Nick Harris goes beyond what we see on the field. And frankly, right. I can't see a thing with these interior offensive linemen based on where we've been. I don't know how Nick Harris looks. I can't sit here and tell you he's been great or hasn't been great. But the reality is with Nick Harris, what really matters is, is he picking up on the stuff a center needs to be able to do? Uh, and Bill Callahan certainly praised him in, in that regard today, because that's one area where JC Treader, obviously along with his ability is, is really good. I mean, he's a smart guy. Uh, really can pick things up and be the, the quarterback of that offensive line. 
uh, and, and him and Baker have a good connection as well. So uh, at least in that regard, it seems like Nick Harris is, is going well. And with Jedrick, unfortunately, he's kind of out there on an island. We can see Jedrick Wills every single snap. We can see number 71 and, and what he's doing every snap. So it's a little easier, you know, if he gets beat or if something bad happens, it stands out a little more than like if Nick Harris gets beat. Well, with Nick Harris, uh, one of the things that we haven't seen a ton of, at least I don't think I have seen it, maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen a ton of errant snaps, right? I mean, we haven't seen uh, the snap just go sailing over Baker's head, you know, three times a game or anything like that. He seems to be pretty poised. He seems to be able to handle the demands of the position. Of course, he played it in college, and, and they really like him. He seems like he has the kind of demeanor uh, to be able to handle that. Of course, the Ravens, if he starts there, they will try to exploit both of those guys. And I think the, uh, you know, the thing to remember is, as we all know, uh, the five guys on an offensive line really have to be working in concert and their timing has to be good. And this, with this wide zone, I mean, there's spacing considerations and there's timing and there's, you know, there's just gap integrity and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to, it's not going to probably look like a well-oiled machine. And I think that, um, you know, I think that the Ravens will try to take full advantage of that if they know that there are two rookies in there. Uh, but there are ways, you know, there are ways around it. I mean, once again, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, the running game and then chipping help if, if Jedrick needs help over there with a, a tight end or a back or, or whoever you can give him to, uh, to help him block it up a little bit. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's a good thing you brought that up too, about tight ends. Remember they're mostly going to have two on the field as well as a, as a fullback. Uh, so it's not just those five guys up front doing the blocking. There is going to be a lot of other help. But when you mentioned snaps going over heads, I just had a flashback of Cameron Irving. I think it was, was it Cody Kessler, the, the Eagles, was that the game or somebody snapped were, it over someone's head and out of the end zone? <laughs> yeah, yeah that was, they're not in that situation. I think that's a huge step forward for this franchise. Yes, the, the Cam Irving experiment at center. Super Bowl champ Cam Irving, I guess. Let's, let's give him yes, a little Yes, that's bit. true. He yeah. got the last also, laugh. And also, as, as we love to talk about sometimes, gave us one of the great quotes of all time. I forget what season it was after. <laughs> told us, when life gives you lemons, you suck them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, we should keep a, a book but of all-time greatest quotes. Yeah, is that related to embrace the suck? Is that like from the same kind of it could book be. Of, of of phrases? There, it seems like they're somewhat related. <laughs> I don't know. But, oh. Hey, we need to bring up one more thing from practice though today, even yeah. though it's completely off topic. Uh, it's sort of standing out in my mind, so I just want to bring it up real quick. Something seems to be up with David Njoku. I don't know what's going on he looked so unhappy he was dressed for practice stood there in individual drills today just without a helmet on and didn't really even do anything um and and then at some point he like he walked in early and then we went down far far away down by the shed to watch practice so i never really noticed if he ever came back or whatever the deal was i've been told he's fine uh, but harrison bryant has taken this opportunity to really move ahead of David Njoku. David doesn't look happy to me right now. And I think it's just something that we need to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because let's not forget, this is a guy that on July 3rd requested a trade. And then four weeks later, something changed. You know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, something obviously did change. He wanted to stay here, but 
it doesn't mean things can't change back uh, very quickly. So who knows? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe he, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it certainly, it was, it was strange to see him walk back in after coming out fully dressed. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts so that as soon as I hit publish, it shows up on your phone or as I called it yesterday, your podcasting device. Uh, and check out Football Insiders. Start that 14-day free trial, 216-208-3965. We will be back with you at some point tomorrow after the Browns practice at First Energy Stadium to kind of recap everything that happened there. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.